morning. I'm going to look at all of you. I want to say thanks, Kelly, for being brave. Thanks for using your voice. It's harder than it seems. Like, I'm a pastor here, and there's been a few times when God, like, put something on my heart to share, like, in service, not very often, but it's really hard for me. It's really hard for me to get up and do it. So, but the more you say yes, when God puts, like, that, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, it can be all sorts of different things. Like, go pray for somebody, go show up. The more you, like, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it, the more we're faithful, I think the more God can work through us in our different ways. And he, like you said, yes, last time, so I'll give you something else to do. And um, it builds your faith. It shows you that God's actually real and wants to use us. So um, thanks. Reminded me how hard it is. So um, my name is Heidi. I have met most of you today, um, but if I haven't, Welcome to Pullman Foursquare. Um, I have the privilege of being on staff here at Pullman Foursquare, and I get to speak sometimes. And sometimes I speak even when I'm really uh, nervous, <laughs> and sometimes I'm not, and today I am. I don't know why. Just sometimes I am, and sometimes I'm not. So I'll do it anyways. Um, I wanted to tell you about something you might not know, because I think I think everybody knows. But one of the things that I get to do here, and I've been doing for several years, is I get to lead the 20s group, the college students. And this year, you might not know, but we're reading the Bible together, and we're doing an inductive Bible study on the parables. And it has been, I love it. I absolutely am loving it. So, and also, I'm not the only, Audrey's group, is using the same study, Bible study method, and Janice's. And we are all loving it. So if you would like to be reading the Bible with other people in a way where the scripture just comes alive for you and you can actually remember what you studied during the Bible study during the week, that's amazing to me. I, um, I encourage you, join, join a group. Join a group. So um, that's one thing I do, and I love it. I like, I love doing that. And another thing I get to do here that you might not know, because I don't say, is I get to meet, I meet one-on-one -on -one with college students quite a bit, and I get to mentor them. And in fact, some of you are doing that with me this year. And um, you might not know it, but when you meet one-on-one -on -one with a college student, they, they go deep. Like they ask you the core stuff that's going on in their heart. And so it's something you support here. Like, if you give, if you tithe, that's something you support. As I spend a couple hours each week um, meeting with students and praying with them and asking them. Like, one said to me, I'm like, I sometimes say, what do you want me to ask you? She goes, ask me something really hard. <laughs> like, I want to be challenged. So um, I do, and it's, it's a joy. And I wanted you to know that. So, so today, I see this message as part two to Annie's. Annie spoke on community last week. It was so good. It was such a good sermon. If you haven't listened to it, it's on our website. You can go. It's a half hour. It is a half hour worthy of your time. Have you ever thought that? Like, that's a half hour. It is worth it. Go listen to that message. Because 
it is what we believe here as a church, what community looks like, and she challenged us. So um, I encourage you to do that. And this is something interesting you might not know. We're not a very big church. It is amazing how many people listen to our messages. I was like, is that possible? Can that be true? Jamie and I can check out the numbers. I was like, wow. So you're like, that's amazing because I've never listened to any of them. So somebody is. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't even think it's people in our church who's listening to these. So well, I encourage you, go, go check it out. Listen to that message. So today I'm going to be speaking to married people, married, and singles. <laughs> so I feel like I've got us all covered here today. Um, we're going to talk about our closest relationships. So we're going to go from community. We're going to talk about your closest relationships in our lives um, next to Jesus. So for a married person, your closest relationship is supposed to be your spouse. That is the way it's supposed to be. And if you're a single person, I want to talk about this because it's something I've actually never heard before. And I'm starting to grow in my mind. And I read something and it challenged me. As a single person, your community is just as important as a married person's community. As a single person, your closest one, two, three, or four friends are just as important and just as necessary to your growth in Jesus as my relationship to Jamie. So I want you to think about that because I was like, oh. Um, I want to talk about those relationships. I was challenged to think about them. It's my great, your, your greatest witness to this world of God's love is your relationship, those relationships. So my relationship with Jamie, when the world looks in and when they see something healthy, when they see something beautiful, when they see something passionate, they see Jesus. When you are as a single person, have people in your life who point you to Jesus, who you can be super vulnerable with and pray with on a really deep level and who encourage you to be healthy and to read God's word, that is very unusual and that is very beautiful. And when other single people will see that, they will be like, what is that? I want to be a part of that. And they'll say that is your greatest witness of Jesus. Today we're going to be looking at something you've heard before. We're going to be looking at Matthew 22, maybe you have, I shouldn't assume. Matthew 22, 36 through 39, 37. And it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the first thing, as a Christian, what we are all called to, think of it like this. Your first vocation when you say yes to Jesus is to love God. Whether you are a business owner, whether you are a professor, whether you are a stay-at-home mom, whether you are a pastor, whether you are a financial planner, whatever you are, when you say yes to Jesus... That's your first vocation, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. I, I love thinking about that sometimes. And secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. I was thinking about it. 
So there's no neighbor closer to a married person than the person you share a bed with. Like the person that you go to sleep with and the person that you wake up next to, you can't get much more neighborly than that. <laughs> and I was like, that's what we're going to talk about today, loving that neighbor. I've heard a lot, maybe you have, I've heard a lot of really good sermons about who's your neighbor. Like, have you guys heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of them, like, they ask, like, who's your neighbor? It's like, we've heard, like, it's refugees. Refugees are my neighbor. And then we've talked about in the church, the people on the other side of your fence that you don't know their name, that's my neighbor. And I was like, but what about the neighbor who lives in your house? And you share the best. Sometimes that's the hardest people for me to be loving with and passionate towards. Like people I barely know, that can be sometimes easier. But as a single person, I think your neighbor also loving would be those closest people to love them well. Those are also your neighbor. Um, let's see. So I see that first... We love God, and secondly, we love others. As I've been thinking about this, I realize that the way God loves us is passionately. He loves us passionately. And I want to share a few verses with you. I'm going to read them to you. And I want you to think about um, how God loves us as I read them. The first one is Zephaniah 3.17. And it says, if you want to write it down for later, Zephaniah 3.17, he will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's God. God delights in you. Like, you know, you delight watching a little baby. I was thinking of that. God delights in me. Like, you delight in your grandchild. Like, you can't get much more than that. That's how God feels about us. The next one I want to read to you is Luke 15.20. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So you need a little context. So this is the father, and he is running to his son who has returned, and he kissed him. This is a picture of God with you when you return. God runs after you. He holds you, and he kisses you. You're like, oh, that's a bit much. I've heard people say, I am really not comfortable with talking about God kissing me. And I was like, yeah, I can see that. It is uncomfortable, but it is biblical. It is biblical. The next one is Hosea 11.8. How can I give you up? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. This is a picture of a prophet who was called to marry a prostitute. Read the story. It's like, you're like, what? Did I just hear you right? And um, the picture of the prophet Hosea is his love for her is so strong. That no matter what she does, he keeps loving her. And that's God's love for us. No matter what I keep doing, he keeps loving me. Even if you're like, how can God keep loving me? He does. The next one I want to share with you is John 17, 21. Father, this is Jesus speaking. Just as you are in me and I'm in you, that's how connected they are. May they also be in us. So Jesus is saying, hey, you and I are one, I want them to be that close as well. So why did I bring up like these passionate pictures? Because I think that just as God is passionate towards us, we are to be passionate with those other people in our lives. As married people, 
I'm supposed to be as passionate as God is towards me, towards my husband. I think that when we're first dating, we're super passionate. Like, you can't keep your hands off the person. It's really hard. And you think about the person. You go to bed, you're thinking about the person. You wake up, you're thinking about the person. You think about how you can serve them, how you can love them. Like, it's all you can do. And then I think we think after 10 years, we're like, we get along well. We really are compatible. We've figured out a really good system. And I actually think that, okay, Christians, we believe that our love for God is to continue to grow, to continue to mature, to continue to deepen and to be passionate. And I think that as married people, it's supposed to be the same for us. I was like, whoa, wow. I think that my marriage is supposed to continue after 20 years to be just as passionate and to be just as mature, to be maturing and to be challenging and growing. And that really was like, whoa. So I listened to a podcast this week that talked about marrieds and they study marrieds and it said 80% of married people are, you probably maybe seen this if you're like in your 20s and your parents, they're stagnant. They're compatible. They figured out a system that works for them. They are just staying, status quo. Like we see 80% of marriages. No wonder we don't know what they're supposed to look like. We haven't seen them. I was like, oh, geez, I don't want that. But it's easy, huh, to fall into. Like it works for us. I like him. He's pretty great. But there's something more we're called for. So if 80% of marriages, a lot of marriages don't make it. I was kind of surprised it was 80%. And then a lot of marriages just, they fail. And we've, you see it as you get, you've been married longer. You just see them. It, it's, it's devastating. It's hard. It affects so many people. But how many marriages then are passionate? How many marriages are passionate? I think that number's small. How many are growing and maturing um, and becoming more and more like Christ. I mean, that number's got to be small. So I've been talking for married people for a minute. So now I want to stop and talk to single people for a moment. If I can find my notes. So in church history, the first 1,500 years, to be single was to be the most spiritual. Like single people, Paul talked about to be single was to live your life for Christ. You didn't have all the other things of family and stuff that got in the way. And then it kind of flipped. And now it's kind of married people get all the, the kudos in, in, in churches. And they get the positions and they get the, and neither one is right. Neither one. Neither one of us are better than the other. It's just where you are. Um, I kind of see, this is what I see looking at the Bible, that there are two kinds of single people. This is what I see. There are people who are avowed celibate. There are not very many of those, and probably most of them are Catholic. Um, there may be one here, but um, it is not taken lightly. Matthew nineteen twelve says, you're married to Christ. It's a union with Christ, and it is a God-given grace. There's no other way you can be a vowed celibate healthy if God is not in it, right? There's no other way. And I, 
get me so Annie says there's one gal down in at your um, in your small group who is maybe in the process of becoming a celibate it takes five years they give her five years to decide if this is what she's really supposed to do it is not to be taken lightly so the other kind of celibate which I think is probably like 98% of people is um, you are celibate until you're married like whether you're divorced whether your spouse died whether you uh, have not been married yet and um, that's that's how it is I never thought of it that way but I was a vowed celibate until I was 22 I never thought about it before and um, so I think that's what most people are because I think most people desire to be married most and so I think I'm speaking to probably what you are today I want to say something that Audrey said this summer and I don't think is very popular there's nowhere there's nowhere in the Bible that it says it's okay to have sex outside of marriage you can't find it like it doesn't exist God says it's for a covenant of marriage and I think that's not a very popular idea but you can't find anywhere in the Bible that it's okay one thing I really want to say to single people because I hear this don't live like you're waiting. Don't live like you're waiting. Live your fullest life now. Live it now. Don't live like you're waiting. So for the next part, I want to draw something for you because this is kind of how I think and it started to form this picture in my head. So as we talk today, I see it like this. I hope I don't draw too big. So this is, this is me. This is God. This is, is anybody brave enough to be my single person? Okay. Because you are. Tam. Tam, you're my single person. And this is God. So first and foremost, my passion, what I think about, when I make my, you know, when I make my to-do list, I'm a to-do list person. Each week, I put my top three or four things, and it's spend time with God, quiet space with God. That's my first. And then my other ones is often my family. It's either be with Jamie. I've changed it to be with Jamie to, um, oh, what did I, fun, pursue fun. He's like, I know what it is. Pursue fun with Jamie. Pursue fun with Jamie. And a lot of them, a lot of times it has something to do with work, right? Work. And then a lot of times I'll have my family or a friend I'm really wanting to connect with. Like I'll be like, I want to make space for Sherry this week. I put her on there. And you might think that is so weird, but I'm kind of that type A. So it works for me. So then after this, I see this is how it is. Second is me. And Jamie. And over here for Tam. This is Tam. Tam's an extrovert, so I'm giving her four friends. <laughs> if it was somebody else. And I'm not saying Tam doesn't have more friends. I'm saying this is your core. This is Tam's. These are people that are pointing her to Jesus. That when she spends time with them, she can be herself. And this is just as important to Tam's life. And for her to be who God's created her to be, as this is for me. 
I put a bubble around this. At first, I didn't like the bubble. But I think this is our protection. There's a firewall around me and Jamie. And there's a firewall around Tam and her closest people who are pointing her to Jesus. Nothing gets in this circle. Nothing gets in this circle. Your work does not go in this circle. You are not married to your work. Right? It does not. It goes, everything else goes down here. Your children do not go in this bubble. They don't. Your extended family, my extended family does not go in this bubble. What else? What else doesn't go in your bubble? School. If you're a student, school does not go in this bubble. Anything else you can think of? Oh, what? The cougars, thank you. You are, you are acclimating so well, so well. You fit in. You know what else doesn't go in there? Addictions. There's no place for addictions. None of them. Money. I'm an amazing artist, aren't you? Handwriting. Ooh. Come on. Nothing goes in here. Except for, you know, if you wanted to get down to the nitty-gritty, it could be like this. But, you know, for the, for the illustration. So nothing in our culture will help you do this. There's nothing in our culture that will help this happen. When you wake up each morning, nothing goes in here. Nothing. There's nothing that's going to help you. They're going to be like, no, this comes first. No. Ministry comes first. No, school comes first. Nothing is going to help you do this. It's a battle. It's a battle to save your marriage to what it's supposed to be and to save your relationships for what they're supposed to be. So once again, I say that healthy marriages, passionate healthy marriages, are our loudest gospel message. So there's a, a book I've been reading. And it has a chapter on marriage. And um, I'm going to share something with you. And it also has this diagram on it. So church is not as important as it used to be in our culture. Like, we feel it here. Uh, but Jamie, like, meets with the other Baptist pastor, and he's like, do people come to church like, mm, once, maybe, a month? I'm like, oh, not just coming four square. I talked to my sister, and she's like, people come to church like once a month, and they consider themselves like core. And I thought, okay, so why? Why is it important that people come? And there's lots of reasons, but this is just one. I'm not going to go into it, but one reason why I think it's important when I came to church last week, I heard Annie speak on community <laughs> from Acts 2. I'm like, are you kidding me? If you don't know, Annie and Jamie both love Acts 2 a lot. And I thought, there's nothing more I can hear on this passage. And she challenged my soul. She challenged me. And so she made me aware. 
When we come to church, we become aware of something that we, didn't, we weren't aware of before or we'd forgotten. Through worship, God will speak to us like, oh, through the sermon, through talking with somebody else. I think you become aware of something. Like today, I hope you become aware, like my marriage is supposed to be passionate. And maybe you're like, oh, I already knew, but I forgot. Or as a single person, I didn't actually know that I needed those people in my life. And I actually didn't know that it's just important as Heidi and Jamie's marriage or my friend's marriages. It's just, I didn't know. So we're hoping when you come that you become aware of something. I think when you listen to podcasts, I only listen to the ones that I like and say what I want to hear. Honestly. And so um, one time, one time I purposely listened to a podcast on sexuality that I did not agree with, that I did not, because I wanted to hear it. I didn't enjoy that time. It was good for me. I didn't like it, and I haven't done it again. So I think that church is different than podcasts, sermons, because people listen to them. So I'm hoping today you'll become aware. Sometimes I hear this too, and then you ponder. So we ponder here for a while. What I'm talking about, you think about it for a while. And sometimes when a message really gets you, you go home and you ponder it. I've heard people say that. Like, we talked about slowing down to be with Jesus. Like, really talked about it at a, a leadership meeting. And Sarah's like, I've been pondering that. I've been thinking about it all week. I'm like, that's real big. So sometimes something will come and you'll ponder it. And then the next step is, after ponder, is it becomes a value. Like, we talk about Sabbath a lot here. You're like, I'm aware of that. I've thought about it. And maybe it's a value. Maybe it's not. You're like, I'm not there yet. But this is a value. And then from here to value, this is what happens. It's a long, slow journey to reprioritizing. This is where I actually do something because I'm like, oh, I I really want that passionate marriage. I really want it. I kind of forgot. I want that. And so I start thinking, how do I get from here to reprioritizing? So I'm like, for me, being the t I put on my pursue fun with Jamie. And I was also thinking, just so you know, so January 9th through 11th, we're having a marriage retreat. That is totally a way to reprioritize, and that's a big one. You have to save time. You have to find childcare, and it's costly. St. Gertrude's is not cheap. I was like, shoot. So save the dates. It's, on, it's been on the thing for a long time, January 9th through 11th. The podcast I listened to, he and his wife, it's like totally like, oh, wow. They go to a marriage retreat every year. Every year. They've been married like 35 years. Every year they go to a marriage retreat. And the last two years they've gone to two. That challenged me. I was like, I think we need to do that. I'm like, it's like, when's the last time we went on a marriage retreat that we, or something we didn't lead? That would be good for us. I was like, he's like, well, we're going in January. I'm like, that doesn't count. We're leading it. <laughs> but doesn't that say that his passion is his wife? If he's willing to do that or if he takes that priority. So here's the long step to reprioritizing. When I saw this graph, you know what, it, it kind of gave myself a little more grace. Because it takes a while to change. And I'm like, this is important to me. Why am I still not doing it? Giving myself some grace to change. 
And then the last one is a new way of being. You don't have to think about it anymore. You don't have to plan it because it is who you are. When we talk about this at staff meeting, Janice goes, but sometimes you were this way. You were passionate. Your marriage was a priority. Your closest friends were a priority, and you forgot. Life changed. New life stages, when you change, move, you forgot. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. And then you begin again this journey. Um, Today, I want to invite you to think about, as we close, if you're married, your marriage. I want you to think about it. It's easy to be passionate when you've been married three months. I mean, there's not much else you can be. It's passionate. But if you've been married like 20 years, 40, anybody 40 years, 30, 30, 30, anybody more than 30, yeah, 40, yeah. God wants us to be passionate as I'm passionate for God. He wants Jamie and I to be passionate towards each other. And what a witness to your kids, right? To your kids, to your extended family when they see that. What, a, um, what an example to our church, to your neighbors when they see something that's so small in our culture. Passionate marriages are so small because they take a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. This isn't the way we work in our world. This is up here in our world. This, okay, we are a culture where children come first. Yeah? We are. We are school. School comes first in our world. And addictions come in. And money. Our world does not work this way. And as single people, I want to invite you today to ask yourself, do I have that community? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Ask God to help you find those people. And if you do, maybe live a little differently. Treat them. Give them more space. Give them more space in your life. Make it more of a priority. So something I've been, um, I've been challenged to ask myself each day, and I challenge you, if you're married, to ask this. What is important to Jamie today? Tell them what's important to Heidi today. What's important to Jamie today? What's important to him? When I first said, Jamie, I've been asking myself, what's important to you today? He's like, you should have seen his face. Like, what? I mean, wouldn't you feel loved if someone spent each day? What's important to Janice today? You know, what's important to Beverly? What's important to her? What's important to Jeff today? Yeah. For all of us, something we've been thinking about, we've talked about at staff, and I think it qualifies for both groups. How can I be Jesus with skin on? How can I be Jesus with skin on to Jamie? Pam, how can you be Jesus with skin on to these people? So as we close today, I want to give you a little bit of time to um, think in your heart, to ponder, to think, maybe I value this. Maybe where would this be? How can I be Jesus with skin on?
I'm going to pray, and I'm going to hope and trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Something. Just something. Okay. Jesus, I pray for these people today who came out on this nasty day that made me feel so grumpy. I pray that you would you would prompt them. Holy Spirit, you want to speak to us. You want to be close to us. And I pray that you would speak something that each person can take away. Something that they can actually remember and ponder and to think about. Jesus, I pray that this church can be a place where people are passionate about their spouse. I pray that when people see the marriages in our church, they will see Jesus. I pray, Jesus, that the single people in this church will have communities that feed their soul. That they will have friends that point them to you. That they will learn how to love well. I thank you for this space where we can come together and hear from you. We can become aware of things that we'd forgotten about or actually never knew. Be with us today as we go. Holy Spirit, be so present with us until we meet again. And Jesus, powerful, graceful, timely, amen. Amen. I didn't think about how to close. I'm a pretty boy, so... Um, I don't, I don't have any of those closing prayers memorized that you pray. They're really great. You do? Oh, they sound written. All right. So, oh, I want to make something up. I'm not good at that. <laughs> I pray that as you go this week, that you will see God. I pray that you will experience God in the most unlikely places and that you will be easy on yourself easy on yourself. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And if you heard nothing else, please, please remember, Jesus loves you a ton, and Jamie and I also love you. So, see you this week.